Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com. This is St. Louis on the Air from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine Cha. He does not allow claw trimming. He does not allow any of those things. So once a month, he gets some gabapentin in his food, and he gets his nail, tri- nail trimmed. And it's he a little kitty spa. Yeah, he has a sleepy day. We snuggle. He gets his nail trimmed. That's a perfect way to do it for these kitties who aren't super trainable. Mm-hmm. But what is it that goes through your mind when you hear declaw is better than rehome? Don't get a cat. Don't get a cat. Even though the practice of declawing cats is currently outlawed in the city of St. Louis and St. Louis County, the Missouri legislature is considering a proposal to nullify these ordinances to make the procedure available statewide. The bill's sponsor, Rolla Republican Senator Justin Brown, told the Post-Dispatch that local jurisdictions shouldn't be allowed to obstruct the practice of veterinary medicine, adding that local ordinances banning the procedure interfere with the patient-client relationship with the practitioner. We invited Senator Brown to speak with us for this story. He has not responded. On the other side of the Mississippi River, Illinois lawmakers introduced a bill that would ban the procedure in the state. With us now to talk about what the practice of declawing entails and how it affects the health and well-being of the animals who receive the procedure is Dr. Amanda Gruber. She's medical director and practicing veterinarian at the St. Louis Cat Clinic. Dr. Gruber, welcome. Thank you so much. It's great to be here today. So I realize this could come off as a, why don't you go online for that question? But for the sake of those who can't look it up right this minute, and to ensure we're understanding terms as we have this conversation, what is a claw? (laughs) And is a cat's claw more or less analogous to a human nail? Excellent question. Um, They are very similar. Um, The cat's claw is on the end of their their digits, just like our fingernails are on the end of our fingers. They are a little bit different in how they grow, however. Um, their, Their nail bed is directly attached to the bone in the end of their their digit. And I think that's a a significant um, factor when we start to talk about the anatomy of declawing and how it looks to declaw a cat, what it looks like, how is it done. Um, I think it's important to recognize that anatomical feature of a cat and that their nail is coming directly out of the nail bed attached to the bone. You Mm -hmm. cannot separate the bone from the nail. You cannot just remove the nail from the bone. I think that's an important feature for people to understand. It's not merely cosmetic then. That's correct. Now, let's talk about the city outlawing declawing, and that was a, a few years ago. So prior to that happening in the city of St. Louis in 2019, did you perform the procedure? No, that is a procedure that I have never performed mm-hmm. in my career. And why is that? Uh, because I do not believe it is a morally acceptable procedure. Mm -hmm. Um, 
my advocacy is always going to be in the best interests of the cats. And so whether or not it is legal um, in our area, it is not something I will perform. Mm-hmm. Now, if it were to become legal in St. Louis and St. Louis County again, and again, it was banned in both places in 2019 and 2021, respectively, does a veterinary practice have their own say in whether they offer the procedure? Absolutely. If it's legal in the area um, that we're discussing, that is up to the individual practice or the individual veterinarian. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Now, our producer for this segment had a tough time finding a veterinarian to speak to this issue. Veterinary groups were hesitant to help us find a source to speak on this topic. Why do you think, Dr. Gruber, some veterinarians are against declawing and some are fine with it? I think a lot of the veterinarians who are okay with declawing, who do it regularly, um, I think, you know, it's it's not done out of malice. I think it's done more out of um, maybe some ignorance of the current research, um, lack of knowledge of the, the problems that we know it can cause, um, and simply the fact that they may not have seen the problems that can arise from declawing. Um, they may not be looking for them. They may not know what to look for. Mm-hmm. I do think that is a, a big contributor to why a lot of veterinarians do still perform the practice. Um, and then I think the people who don't, the, the veterinarians who are not doing it and are against it, are going to be against it for the same reasons that, that I am and that they don't feel like it's a morally acceptable procedure. Mm-hmm. Now, there are veterinarians in St. Louis and St. Louis County who performed declining on cats prior to its being outlawed. What do we know about the mindset of veterinarians in support of the Missouri House proposal to make the procedure available throughout the state of Missouri? I don't think it's as much to do with the procedure itself. I don't think it's as much to do with they just really love declawing. It's got more to do with the fact that ideally an industry regulates itself. So in an ideal world, veterinarians and people in the veterinary industry would be the ones making the rules for veterinarians, would be the ones making the guidelines and designating what we should and shouldn't be doing. And I think that's a very valid point. Ideally, we would regulate ourselves. Ideally, our, our you know, organizations, our, our veterinary groups um, would, would kind of help us to come to those conclusions of, hey, this is what the science says. This is why this procedure is not good for the animals. This is why we shouldn't be doing it. That would be ideal. But so far, that hasn't happened. So far, um, you know, the the associations, the the veterinary medical associations, whether they be national or state, um, you know, they're they're not super strong. They say, you know, we don't condone this procedure, but it's ultimately up to the individual veterinarians. And I think that is is hard. The idea that people not in the veterinary industry are making rules and laws dictating how we can and cannot practice what we can and cannot do. I think that's a very hard pill for a lot of veterinarians to swallow. And that's that's valid. Um, that's valid. I would love to see a, a time where we regulate ourselves, where we as a profession 
come to the conclusion that this is not the best thing for our patients and we advocate for our patients in a way where we can regulate ourselves. That's, that's ideal. That's the dream. Are there any differences that come into play um, insofar as where veterinarians have gotten their training? Um, I don't know that it's where as much as when. Um, so it used to be a much more acceptable procedure in, in the public eye and in veterinary medicine. Um, schools would fairly regularly teach it. It was a very accepted practice. The more we have learned about the effects of declawing um, on our patients, the less and less it's become a, a popular thing to do and less and less schools are teaching it. Mm -hmm. So for example, it was never taught at all in my schooling. If you were going to perform declaws, you were going to learn it from older veterinarians uh, in practice mm -hmm. after you graduated. Okay, so it is not a part of your formal medical training. Not at my school, it was not. Mm -hmm. No, ma'am. And that was the University of Missouri. Okay. And they do not teach in it the there. state. Now, Matthew writes on Facebook, never declaw. A bit of messed up furniture is just part of loving a cat. Learn to trim their nails, get them a cat tree, or don't have cats. Dr. Gruber, what is the range of reasons people give for wanting a cat declawed? And are there that many who, as Matthew suggests here, uh, where it's rooted in protecting furnishings? By and large, it is rooted in protecting furnishings. Wow. Okay. Um, certainly, that is that is probably the most common. Um, I will definitely hear people discussing um, things like, my child might get scratched. I'm worried about my kids. Or um, I have a declawed cat already, and I'm worried that the declawed cat might get hurt by the cat who still has claws, so I've got to declaw this one too. Mm -hmm. um, or, of course, elderly people. You know, I, I have a bleeding disorder. Um, mm -hmm. I can't afford to get scratched. Those are sometimes the reasons, but by and large, it's, it's furniture. It okay. really, truly is. In order to get a better understanding of, of what we're talking about, we, we talked about what a claw is. Please describe what the declawing procedure itself entails. Sure, absolutely. So if you were to look at your own hand right now, um, the bones of your finger, uh, you can tell that there's three of them. Uh, there's the one that comes directly off your hand, there's that middle section, and then there's that final section at the end of your finger, um, and that's the section that contains your nail. Cats also have three bones in each digit. Um, and when you declaw a cat, um, you do not just remove the nail. Because the nail is growing directly from that bone. last bone, mm -hmm. it's actually a full amputation between that third bone and that second bone. So that last knuckle, you completely remove that entire part of the digit. So when you do, say, a front paw declaw on a cat, you are performing 10 amputations at a time. And what are the implements that are used to perform this procedure? There are a couple of different options, um, uh, three actually. Um, the Probably what's considered the most humane, though I would argue that none of them are, um, would be uh, the use of a laser. Okay. So a laser is going to kind of cauterize blood vessels as it cuts. Um, it's in theory, supposed to do it in a less painful fashion. Mm -hmm. um, some people will use a scalpel blade to disarticulate, uh, aka 
uh, cut between those two bones um, in the joint itself. Mm-hmm. The most barbaric form uh, is actually done with nail trimmers. So cat nail trimmers that you would use to cut a cat's claws um, is actually used to crunch through the joint space. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is a very, very damaging way to perform a declaw because it often literally crunches through bone um, and leaves shards behind. It leaves bits of mm-hmm. bone present um, in that in that cat's paw. And how long does healing take? Cats are very quick healers. So if we're going to talk about how quick it is for the skin itself to heal closed, two weeks mm-hmm. tops. Um, but the joint itself doesn't really heal, right? right it scars. Right. Um, the tendons that are cut through in the process, they scar, they contract. They don't really heal um, mm-hmm. in, in that sense. So you don't have open wounds forever, but you never have a normal paw again. Right. Well, that brings up an interesting point. Melanie shares on Facebook, my cat was declawed when I got her from the shelter. She is now 21 years old and has had no issues. I would never declaw a cat, but have not had any health issues. And then on the other hand, Savannah, whose cat is declawed, writes that it's led to pain for her cat and behavior problems and difficulty with the litter box. Dr. Gruber, what is your sense of how many cats live well post-declawing, and what effects can declawing have on a cat's physical health and well-being? Such great questions, and there's a, there's a lot to that. Um, I think, you know, there are a lot of cats who they're going to do okay for, for a while. Um, the younger they are, the better they're going to do. Um, but it's going to change the way a cat walks. They are meant to walk in a certain manner. And when you take away a third of their digit, it's going to shift their weight. It's going to change the way that those bones hit the ground and the way the weight is distributed. So every single cat that gets declawed is going to experience those changes. That's just the nature of changing an animal's anatomy. Mm -hmm. They're going to walk differently. Their tendons are going to contract. It's going to change the shape of their feet. And as any of us who have ever limped, you know, we've we've hurt our foot, we've limped around, we can attest that it takes a toll on the rest of our body as well, right? We we find that our back is suddenly quite sore and, oh, no, our other knee hurts now too. That is what these cats are going to experience. It's going to change the way that they walk and ultimately it's going to change the way that all their joints carry weight. So all of these cats as they get older are going to develop arthritis in those joints, their feet, their elbows, um, and sometimes in their back even because of the way that their weight has changed. Mm We're discussing the practice of cat declining with Dr. Amanda Gruber, medical director of the St. Louis Cat Clinic. We need to take a quick break, but we'll be back shortly to continue this conversation. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com. Welcome back. 
We're talking about the practice of cat decline with Dr. Amanda Gruber, medical director of the St. Louis Cat Clinic. While the procedure is currently outlawed in the city of St. Louis and St. Louis County, the Missouri legislature is considering a proposal to nullify these ordinances to make the procedure available statewide. Now, we were just talking about the physical ramifications of decline. What are some of the, the non-physical effects that decline can have on, uh, on a feline? Scratching is a very innate part of a cat's uh, well-being and, and almost sense of self. Cats are born to scratch tiny kittens, scratch from the, from the time they're born. And that is normal behavior for a cat. It's, it's innate. It's not learned. Um, and so when you take away their claws, you do remove this instinctual behavior that they were born to have. And so you'll watch cats who are declawed still stretching out, going through the motions as though they're scratching. Um, so you remove that kind of portion of their their innate um, behavior that they're supposed to perform. Um, the other thing that you'll often see in some of these declawed kitties is an increased tendency towards biting and aggression. Mm. So a cat's first line of defense is their claws. If they feel threatened, they tend to swipe. These cats who are declawed tend to get a little bit more bitey. You've mm -hmm. removed that first line of defense, and now they have to go to their second one, which tends to be teeth. Mm -hmm. Karen uh, says that the practice should be illegal. Someone who agrees with your position on this and writes, I saw my kitten writhing in pain. Mm -hmm. Um, when she tried to stand up to greet me, mm. and I said, never again. And Mary shares a, a similar sentiment, writing that I declawed one cat and just the front paws, which is what you've been talking about here, never again. She's visibly affected by it to this day. I'm the a-hole that agreed mm. to have it done. Bonnie also emailed um, and talked about uh, being in high school in Ohio years ago. Uh, she said, we found out that they had declawed their cat and were having all kinds of problems with the defenseless cat, and to the point that you were making about what the claws are for. She chewed on garments, which normally hadn't happened in the past, and she would also bite. She didn't have her defenses, so she acted out in many ways, and at the time I was not aware how painful it can be for a cat to be declawed. No wonder she acted out. You have said that you do not declaw. No. Um, that you have not done it. Have you treated cats without claws? And, and what is that like? Every day. Mm -hmm. Every single day. Um, part of my exam on every patient is to confirm whether that cat has or has not been declawed. And if that cat has been declawed, I'm, I'm laying that kitty down and taking a look at those paws. And I'm looking for regrowth of, mm -hmm. of nail bits. Um, that guillotine method that leaves potentially bits of bone behind can leave nail bed behind. And those claws can begin to, to regrow, never normally, but in, in kind of strange, grotesque shapes that can start um, piercing through the paw pads and mm -hmm. through the skin. So I'm looking for that. Um, even in the kitties who have had a, a full amputation with no 
shards left behind, um, I'm looking for contracture of those toes. As those tendons contract over time, their toes begin to take on a, a very um, kind of cl- uh, clawed hand appearance. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm looking to see, does this cat's toes still move freely and mobily, or is this cat contracted in a way that's causing a lot of pain as they walk? Mm-hmm. I'm also palpating their joints for thickening that might indicate arthritis. I'm watching the way these animals are walking in the room, looking for signs of pain. Mm -hmm. Um, By and large, these declawed kitties have arthritis, especially as they get older. They are affected in the way that they move and their mobility is is impaired. And so that's a huge part of my practice is how can I help these cats be more comfortable? I can't put their toes back but I can help them live better quality of lives and, and hopefully give them their mobility back. They yeah. deserve that. What percentage of cats that you treat are declawed? Less and less over time. Mm. Um, I am seeing a trend towards less and less people wanting to declaw, less and less people bringing me declawed kitties. It's by and large cats who have done it, had it done um, as when they were young and now they're older. So I would say the percentage is dwindling. Um, but for my older cat population, quite a few, mm-hmm. at least 50%. Yeah. When you hear someone say, I'd rather declaw than rehome, mm. what do you say um, and, you know, perhaps they have young kids at home who've been hurt. You kind of touched on that earlier. What is the thing that you tell someone when you hear that? Mm, that's a really good question. Um, when when someone would rather declaw their cat than rehome them, I usually talk to them about um, why we're making decisions. Mm-hmm. Are we making these decisions for the cat or are we making these decisions for ourselves. So a lot of times that helps people to kind of realize, oh, I'm I'm choosing to declaw this cat because I don't want to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily because that's the best thing for the cat. Wouldn't it be better for that cat to be in a different home? They can adjust. It may take a little time, but they will adjust. Mm-hmm. And then they have a lifetime with all of their digits. That's the right choice for the patient. Mm-hmm. And And helping people to kind of see why they're making decisions that they're making can help them to kind of come to terms with maybe this isn't the right decision. Mm-hmm. So there's what you say or what you tell sort of in that clinical setting. Mm-hmm. But what is it that goes through your mind when you hear declaw is better than rehome? Don't get a cat. Don't get a cat. Mm-hmm. If, if you care more about your furniture than your cat's well-being, don't get one. If you are unwilling to buy your cat the scratching posts and the cat trees and work with them to find the scratching medium that they like, don't get a cat. Mm -hmm. And if you're unwilling to monitor your children and teach your children how to interact with a cat in a respectful manner that doesn't get them scratched, don't get a cat. Mm -hmm. Because that's the best thing for that, that animal. Right. Now, Bobby writes, there are plenty of already declawed cats in rescue that are looking for a forever home, if that is what you're set on. Is there anything that a potential cat owner should be mindful of if they're very specifically seeking a declawed kitty? Absolutely. Um, You want to provide that kitty with 
all of the best opportunities to succeed because they are coming to you with a handicap, mm. with a disability. You want to make sure that cat doesn't have to do stairs to get to their litter box. Uh. You want to make their litter box as easy for them as possible. Nice low sides, easy to get in, nice and large. They're not trying to tiptoe around in there in a small space. You want to choose a litter that's as gentle on those little deformed paws as possible. Mm -hmm. And you want to work really, really closely with your veterinarian to start monitoring this cat's mobility, especially as it gets older. Mm -hmm. You want to start watching for the way that it's jumping up and down. Is it playing less? Is it having trouble with stairs? And at the first sign of that, you want to start treating that cat. If mm -hmm. you're going to go out and, and uh, adopt a declawed cat, make sure you're prepared to help it with its arthritis and make it as successful as it can be. Mm -hmm. We also got this from Joe, who tweets, the pro-mutilation crowd who support this just care about their upholstery. They also believe the nonsense that cats shouldn't go outside. To what extent, Dr. Gruber, is the indoor-outdoor cat thing relevant to the issue of cat declawing? You know, certainly there are, are dangers uh, to a cat going outside, of course, inherently. Um, but there are also benefits to cats going outside, a lot of mental benefits. Um, and it can be done safely, things like harness training and catios and things like that. But especially for these cats who are declawed, they should never, ever be outside unsupervised. Mm -hmm. Those cats have lost their very first defense mechanism and they've lost their ability to climb a tree. And that is one of the most important things for an outdoor cat mm -hmm. is that they're going to be able to get away from the coyote, the dog, the, um, you know, the other cat who maybe it's a cat who isn't as good at climbing mm -hmm. trees. Their ability to climb is huge mm -hmm. for staying safe outside. And that is one of the things that I absolutely, I, I get so worried about people who, you know, these cats are going outside and they're declawed. Right. That's very, very dangerous. What are the alternatives to declawing? Tons, tons and tons. So, um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of times, if you can help these owners to understand this is a natural behavior, let's encourage this behavior rather than trying to keep cats from scratching because that's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. they're, they're born with this. This is instinct. Let's help them scratch in appropriate places. Let's encourage them to do it in a place that's acceptable to mm -hmm. us. So figuring out what kind of medium the cat likes. Does it like Cecil rope? Does it like cardboard? Does it like carpet? Figuring out what um, what position they like to be in when scratching. So some cats like to stand on their hind legs and scratch up, mm -hmm. whereas others like to stretch out across the floor. You figure out what your cat's preferences are and you provide them with those things. There are... Um, there are things like claw caps um, that people can put on. Um, groomers do them for cats all the time. Mm. That prevents damage to, to furniture. Um, training your cat from a young age to let you trim their nails. Positive reinforcement. People who you know are, are kind of forcing their cats, holding them down, those, that doesn't end well. No, it doesn't. But if you can train your cat to, hey, here's a treat. You know, we're going to bargain. Here's a treat for, for a paw, right? Right, right? One paw gets clipped, you get a treat. <laughs> um, and, you know, some cats are not going to be trainable in that way. Talk to your veterinarians. Ask them 
Can they trim your cat's claws? Can they give you a mild sedation drug mm-hmm. like gabapentin to give to your cat at home so yeah. they're nice and kind of sleepy and relaxed and then trim them at home? That's a fine thing to do. I have a previous feral kitty out of my four cats. One of mine is a previous feral. He does not allow claw trimming. He does not allow any of those things. So once a month, he gets some gabapentin in his food and he gets his nail, tri- nail trimmed. And it's he a little kitty spa. Yeah, he has a sleepy day. We snuggle. He gets his nail trimmed. That's a perfect way to do it for these kitties who aren't super trainable. Mm-hmm. And lastly, beyond declawing, What's something that you think cat owners, you know, current or prospective, should better understand? Um, and just kind of an in general about yeah. owning cats? Oh, man, that's a long list. Um, probably one of the most important things that I can think of that I see in my practice all the time is um, assuming that if a cat is not showing you a problem, that it doesn't exist. Mm. Cats are the most skilled species I have ever worked with at hiding problems. Pain, illness, discomfort, they only show you these things when they're really, really bad. Mm -hmm. So the thing I would encourage owners to do is get those cats in for annual exams or or Mm semi-annual exams. Start doing that annual blood and urine workup Every single year at seven or eight years old, start trying to look for these problems so that you can catch them early mm-hmm. and implement treatments. That's how we get our kitties staying with us for 18, 19, 20 years mm-hmm. and giving them the best quality of life we possibly can. And what is it that you can do in your home that makes for a better experience for everyone involved? What a great question. These cats live their whole lives, these indoor cats especially, in one household. We're out, we're at our jobs, we're out with friends, we're, we're doing things. Our lives are enriching, right? They're, they're very full. These cats live in a small area. It's our job to make that home as enriching and full as possible. So kind of looking at our homes from a cat's perspective, what do they want? Well, they want places to climb. They want things to do. They want toys to play with. They want ways to engage their minds. The more we can kind of keep these cats engaged and busy and not bored, the less destructive they are, the happier they are, the better their mental health is. Um, There is an excellent, excellent resource uh, called the uh, Indoor Pet Initiative. People can Google that. It's excellent resource for finding ways that we can modify our homes in ways that enrich our cats' lives. And honestly, they enrich ours because when our cats are happier and they're playing and they're busy, gosh, what a great thing to see. What a fantastic way to enjoy your feline friends. Dr. Amanda Gruber is a veterinarian and medical director of the St. Louis Cat Clinic. Thank you for being here. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. This episode was produced by Emily Woodburn. Audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. 
Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.